0: About some things about God that just really kind of blows your mind wide open and really opens you up to some different perspectives and some different ways of, of seeing the world around you, <clears throat> seeing the things that you're going through and the things that you experience. How many of you know that perspective is everything when you're going through life? You could go through the best of circumstances and based upon how you feel or perceive those circumstances it can feel horrible and you can totally miss out on the joy that's right before you you can also go through the worst of circumstances you could go through one of the most difficult things that you've ever been through in your life and somehow some way you can find joy in it you can find joy in that season what appears to everybody else to be pain and sorrow and suffering you can actually be having joy in your heart in the middle of it. Only God can do that. Only God can pull something like that off. In the last year, as a group of people, when I say a group of people, I mean God's brought so many different families and individuals that if I were to go name by name and just try to remember every person who has personally touched, this ministry and touched what God has started in our hearts I know I would forget a bunch of people but the reality is is that the reason I would forget is because sometimes God brings people through your life that only touch it for a second and then they keep moving we don't like that we like to be able to have things that are permanent we like to hold on to things and we like to keep them we like to build relationships and friendships, and we're very much like that when it comes to our worship experiences. We like to go to a church with people, and we like everything locked in, and we like everything the same, and we like to build a family and a network of people, which is awesome. It's just a little different than what God's asking us to do right here. See, God's asking us to literally be a turnstile that continues to, the door to continues to open always open people and going people are coming people are coming through all the time and it's challenging for us but in those challenges when you see what God is doing in the midst of the movement you see what Vince talked about genuine fruit, genuine hearts, genuine lives being tweaked and changed and altered and that's super cool that makes you want to get up in the morning and keep on doing something that can be really challenging and really hard tonight as we look at scripture together I want us to come to it with hearts that are open to listen to what God has to say for us as a group but more importantly God wants to speak something to you individually right where you're at right what you're going through and if you're here with us tonight and you've never read scripture you've never heard scripture you've never heard any teachings about Christ then you are in the best place you possibly could be on a Saturday night. Because our heart is for you to get a glimpse and to taste and see that God really is good. And for him to give you a taste in your mouth that you'll never recover from. That you'll look the whole world over for something quite like it, but you won't find it. Because there's nothing like our God. In the book of of Peter, there's a crazy scripture It says you can show others the goodness of God, and he's talking about us. He says he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. He called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. We have been talking in great detail for the last month about the two kingdoms that are all around us that are at work all the time. We've been talking about God's kingdom, the kingdom of light and all of the things that God is at work doing and we've been describing it, we've been looking at it, but we've also been looking at the kingdom of darkness. We've been looking at this evil, dark thing that is all around us that many times goes unnoticed, that many times goes under our radar, that many times goes without us even being aware of its effects on our lives and on the lives of people around us. Matter of fact, when we look at scripture, we can see that these two kingdoms have some very distinguishing markers. And those two markers really are light and darkness. Light and darkness. Those are the things that you can see that gives you a clue which kingdom is at work light and darkness in the book of first John I want to read you a short scripture it says in verse 5 this is the message that he has given us to announce to you God is light and there is no darkness in him at all so we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God but we go on living in spiritual darkness we're not living in the truth but if we are living in the light of God's presence just as Christ is then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from every sin this scripture says a really really bold statement it says God is light and there's no darkness in him at all God is light You have to think about that with me, you have to think about what that means, what the implications of that really are. Because you and I live in a world that has darkness everywhere. You and I live in a world that has a complete devastating effect of darkness everywhere that we look. We see it in our families, we see it in the way that we're raised. We see it in our relationships. We see it in the way that we feel about each other. Everywhere we look, we are affected and we are touched by darkness. But this scripture right here says that God is light and there is no darkness in Him. That means that every dark thing that you and I see, that you and I experience we cannot attribute that to God in any way, shape or form that means that if you have been raised by an alcoholic father who abused you violently and verbally and your entire life you have looked at that injustice that was done to you as a child and you have said, if God is the God of love, how could he do this? God is light he didn't do that to you God is light and he did not have anything to do with that every sexual abuse that's been done to you everything that you have witnessed in this world around you the poverty that we see in this very neighborhood right outside of our doorstep that is not God I want you to think of every dark thing that you have ever seen. Every dark thing that you have ever witnessed. Everything that you have ever seen. And I want you to say these words with me. Say these words. That is not God. God. Think about that. Think about the things that you have witnessed in your life. Think about the way that you have seen the world. And you have processed it all in. And you have said, I don't get it. How could God do that? God didn't do that. That is not God. See, the kingdom of darkness has one thing on its mind. The kingdom of darkness wants to destroy you. The kingdom of darkness wants to take every essence of light and snuff it out in your life. Every joyful experience, every healthy relationship, Everything in your life that is a good and is of God, the kingdom of darkness wants to destroy it. It would be really easy for us if the devil ran around in a red suit and with horns on his heads, and we could see him everywhere that he went and we could just point at him and just go, Oh, well, there's the devil. Watch out. But unfortunately, that's not how he operates. See, the kingdom of darkness thrives on darkness secrecy. What is it about darkness that makes it so hard to be able to see what is really going on? It clouds everything, doesn't it? When it's nighttime and it's dark, you can't make out people's features you can't see what's really happening. You squint your eyes to try to see what's happening around you. The darkness is affecting your environment. And you can't see clearly. And that is exactly the way that the enemy tries to work in years and my life. He tries to operate in secrecy. He tries to operate in ways that make us ignorant to what he is really doing and what he is really all about. To keep us completely Unaware. In First Thessalonians, it says that those of you that belong to God, you are children of the light and of the day. It says we don't belong the darkness and night. So be on your guard, not asleep like the others. Stay alert and be sober as night is the time for sleep and the time when people get drunk but let us who live in the light think clearly protected by the body armor of faith and love and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation for God decided to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ not to pour out his anger on us he died for us so that we can live with him forever whether we are dead or alive at the time of his return. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. In this scripture, he calls you and I that have a relationship with God, children of light, children of the day. What does that bring with it? What kind of implications does that bring with it when you think about yourself? It's the complete opposite of the kingdom of darkness. It's the kingdom of light. And it says, it says that you and I are children of that light. In other words, if the kingdom of darkness thrives on secrecy, then the kingdom of light thrives on openness. If the kingdom of darkness thrives on covering things up, shh, don't talk about that. Don't talk about what's happened to you. Don't talk about your past. Don't talk about the things that other people might judge you about. Don't talk about that stuff. And the kingdom of light says, bring it all out. Bring it into the open. Be free. Let it go. Don't let it hold you back. And God says, we're the children of light. And then he takes it a step further. And he says, you've got to be on your guard. You've got to be alert. You've got to be sober. You've got to have a clear head. You've got to know what is going on. And you've got to know what role you play. You've got to know what role you play. In this scripture, the author uses a really cool analogy. He says, to put on the body armor of faith and love, he talks about wearing the helmet of the confidence that comes from our salvation. What he's saying to us, the visual implication that he wants us to see, is that he wants us to put on the clothing of God. He wants us to put on the clothes of God. To put it on us. It's interesting that it uses the analogy of clothing. I don't know if you've ever had the unfortunate privilege of showing up to an event underdressed. Has anybody ever had that happen to you before where you go somewhere and you're just like, you walk in and you instantly know, dang it, I should have put some pants on instead of shorts and flip flops. Um, I remember uh, being in high school and we had, you know they have these high school homecoming games where you they nominate the king and the queen and all this stuff and I was I was one of the people that was supposed to come in and everybody's wearing tuxedos and in those days I I thought it was just much more appropriate to wear shorts and converse tennis shoes to everything. I just thought that that was the proper attire and I remember showing up to this event wearing what I thought was a cool outfit only to find the horrid look on the administration of the school as they looked at me and they said we're not even gonna let you show your face in public go home and change your clothes you're not ready for this thing and I remember you know of course in my in my youth in my rebellious state I remember thinking what's those guys problem I'm fine I'm dressed how I think I should be dressed I think that this is the proper attire I don't think that there's any issue here but I remember learning that lesson that you gotta dress right. And I remember going to other events where you show up for something and you're not dressed right. And it makes for an awkward moment. As we talk about this concept in scripture of being dressed right, we've gotta understand what it is to put on the clothes of God. We've gotta understand what it is to put Him on. Because some of us don't understand what that means. In the book of Matthew, Jesus talks about it in a really detailed fashion. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 22, he tells an incredible parable. In verse 1 it says, Jesus told us several stories to illustrate the kingdom. He said the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son many guests were invited and when the banquet was ready he sent his servants to notify everyone that it was time to come but they all refused so he sent other servants to tell them the feast has been prepared and choice meats have been cooked everything is ready, so hurry but the guests the guests he had invited ignored them and they went about their business. One to his farm, another to his store. Others seized his messengers and treated them shamefully, even killing some of them. The king became furious. He sent out his army to destroy the murderers and burn their city, and he said to the servants, the wedding feast is ready, and the guests that I invited aren't worthy of the honor so now go out into the street corners and invite everyone you see so the servants brought in everyone they could find the good and bad alike and the banquet hall was filled with guests but when the king came in to meet the guests he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding friend he asked how is it that you are here without wedding clothes and the man had no reply And then the king said to his aides, find him hand and foot and throw him out into the outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. This is a story, a parable that Jesus uses to describe for us the kingdom of light. Jesus told all kinds of stories about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of life. He told so many different stories to try to help you and I understand what it looked like and how we fit into it. And in this story, he tells a very interesting one about a king who threw a banquet. We've talked about a story very similar to this before. And how when this king invited everybody to come in, Those that had their act together didn't want to come. They didn't appreciate what the king had done. And so he went out and he got more guests that would come to his meal. But the interesting thing about the story is that in the Jewish tradition, the king provided wedding clothes for the guests to put on. See, these people that he invited were right off the street they didn't have the proper clothes they didn't even probably own the kind of clothing fit for a royal banquet they didn't own the kind of clothing that it would take to be able to sit in that type of an environment in other words they didn't qualify they didn't qualify to be able to come into this environment and sit with a king and so the king would provide the clothes for them to put on. He would invite them to come and then he would say, here is your clothes, put it on and come and be with me. But the story is about one guy. There's always one guy, isn't there? The story is about one guy that said to the king, I wanna wear my own clothes. I don't wanna wear yours. There's nothing wrong with my shorts and converse. I like them, it fits me, it's my style. It's how I do what I do. Your clothes are fine, but I'm gonna wear my own, thanks anyway. See what he said to this king in this story, in essence, is I can provide for myself. I don't need you you see that? He says, I can provide for myself. I don't need what you're offering. You and I don't like the feeling of being exposed. We don't like how it feels to be vulnerable and exposed. We don't like to put down our guard We don't like to be in a situation that is out of our control. And in this story that we read, we read about a situation where the king says, I want you to come. I will give you what you need, but you must put on my clothes. And if you don't, you cannot come in. This picture for us is so telling because if we're honest, most of us like to cover ourselves and we do it with all kinds of stuff. We cover ourselves with our accomplishments, we cover ourselves with our careers, we cover ourselves with who we call friends. We cover ourselves with even the things that we look at that are good like my hobbies and my dreams and my family, but we don't like to be exposed so we cover ourselves and we put things around us that make us feel okay. But Jesus says to us tonight, no matter who you are, and no matter where you're at in your life, He says, I love you so much, I want to be with you, but you have to come to me exposed you can't come covering yourself with you you've got to come in I've got a seat right here at the table for you I've got the clothes right here for you to put on but you got to come in vulnerable and then you have to let me clothe you and some of us have such a hard time with that because we want to come to Christ but we want to come our way. We want to have a relationship with God, but we want it on our terms. We want to know God, but we want to be able to still have us too. The Gospel of Jesus is so beautifully simple. It only requires one thing and one thing only, your entire life. Jesus says, if you want me, You have to exchange your life for mine. I'll give you my whole life, Jesus says, but you've got to give me yours. You can't have it halfway. And those of us that have entered into this faith relationship with God and have begun walking this journey of learning what that means, we have realized that it is painful and at times it is difficult But my friends, when you are living in a relationship with the God that created the world around you, the world is at his disposal. There is nothing like it on this earth. I would love to be able to stand here before you and say that having a relationship with God is all about God coming into your world and making your life great and making it all about you experiencing your dreams come true. But it's not. The Bible says that if you want God, you've got to give up you. And you've got to put on Jesus. We don't like being exposed. We don't like the feeling of being seen by people. A few weeks ago, we talked about the crazy story of Adam and Eve and God. And how God came into their lives, created them, and he had a relationship with them. And then we talk about how everything in our world went bad. When Satan came and they believed a lie and there was this rampant spread of sin that has affected everything that we've ever experienced in this world since. But the most beautiful tell of that story comes before Adam and Eve leave. The part in the story that God used to show us his heart, is the Bible says that God made clothes for them. The Bible says that God covered up their nakedness. He covered up their shame. He made a way for them to feel okay. God says, I don't want you to feel unprotected. I will cover you. I will cover you. And that same God in the book of Revelation speaks to a church in a letter. And this is what he says to this church. He says, I know all the things that you do, that you're neither hot or cold. God says, I wish you were one or the other, but since you're like lukewarm water, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. God says, you think you are rich. You say to yourself, I have everything I want and I don't need a thing. But you don't realize that you are actually wretched and miserable, you're poor, you're blind and naked. So God says, I advise you to buy gold from me. Gold that has been purified, by fire, and then, and only then, will you be rich. Buy white garments, get this, so that you will not be shamed by your nakedness. Buy ointment for your eyes so you'll be able to see. God says, I'm the one who corrects and disciplines everyone that I love. Be diligent and turn from your indifference. as we look at the kingdom of darkness and at the kingdom of light and we find ourselves right in the center of both of these kingdoms we have learned through reading scripture that we are at the center of their focus we have learned that Satan wants nothing more than to take our lives And to hold them up before God and in an arrogant, boastful, proud attitude say, look, God, you are not strong enough. Look at what I've done with these lives. They are mine. And the kingdom of light is equally focused on us, wanting to redeem us from the curse and wanting to pull us away from the grips of darkness pull us in and for God to hold us up on display and say this is my masterpiece these are my sons and daughters that I have given life to these are the ones that I have everything in common with I am theirs and they are mine and as these two kingdoms literally are at war with each other as they are fighting with each other as they are going at it you and I are right in the middle. And tonight we find that one of the ways that the kingdom of darkness wants to keep a hold of us is for you and I to buy into the subtlety of the lie that says, I can take care of myself. I can clothe myself. I know what's best for me. And when God comes in and he begins to draw us away, we resist in our pride and we resist saying, God, I don't want to be exposed. I don't want to be vulnerable. And Jesus is saying, you don't understand. You cannot sit